Well, this morning we've come to 1 John chapter 3. So please go ahead and open your Bibles there. 1 John chapter 3. Finished up 1 John chapter 2 last week and that teaching is available on the website at aloveoutreach.com. But we're going to go ahead and jump right on into verse 1 here. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. So right off the bat here in chapter 3, we see a sentence with an exclamation point. And God, through His Word here written by the Apostle John, through the Holy Spirit, of course, He wants us to behold His love. And that word behold in the Greek is a word that means to turn your eyes to, your mind to, your attention to. That's what that means. So that word behold means to turn your eyes to, your mind to, and your attention to. So that word describes us turning all of our being, all of our senses toward something here. In this case, it's the love that the Father has bestowed upon us. And again, this is God's living word to us. So when God's word says this, it's what God wants us to do. And what, what did God do to show us His love? Well, of course we know He sent His Son into the world that whoever would believe on Him would not perish but have everlasting life. And Romans 5.8 tells us that God demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So this is an amazing kind of love. And it's what... The Word of God here is telling us to behold and pay attention to. You know, I just quoted to you from Romans chapter 5, but let's go ahead and mark this page and let's turn there. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And we'll start reading in verse 1. So Romans 5, 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So again, 1 John chapter 3 this morning, we're told to behold God's love. More specifically, the love that God has bestowed upon us. This love that came to us as a result of His grace. And here we see in verse 1 and 2 of Romans 5 that we are not justified by love, nor are we justified by grace but we are justified by faith 
And through faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So God the Father had this deep, deep love for the ungodly mass of human beings. And this love caused him to extend grace. So by, so by God's grace, we are saved through faith. So if I offer you a gift of some sort this morning, that gift is from my love, right, and kindness. But that gift does not belong to you until you take the action to receive it, right? So I can, in love, I can, in kindness, offer you a gift, but the gift isn't yours until you actually take the action to receive that gift, okay? So I'll stress and I'll repeat this here, that God, in love, offered grace. We receive that gift of grace, how? Through faith. And at that point, a person is saved. So here in Romans 5, Paul is speaking of the fact that we as people that have been saved through faith, we rejoice in the glory of God. And then in verse 3, he says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So even though we have come to salvation through faith, and even though God in His amazing love extended this grace to us, we still have troubles. But in these troubles, right, in these tribulations, something good comes out of it. And what is it that, that comes out of it that's good? Well, there's perseverance that is produced in us. And that perseverance produces character, and that character gives us hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Why? Because the, because the Holy Spirit has put God's love in our hearts. So, because of God's love, we keep on going. God's love is amazing, amazing, and we are to pay attention to God's love. We are to behold God's love, to put the attention of our eyes, the attention of our minds, our entire attention upon God's love. And this is what will keep us going. This is what will cause us to continue in the faith and to persevere and to not turn away when troubled times come because God sheds his love into our hearts by his Holy Spirit. Now, it's not always easy. There's not always smooth sailing for the born-again believer, right? That's why we have these troubles in this life. But through each and everything that we face in this life, God's love is there. And verse 6 here says, For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. So what is that saying? It's saying that mankind was at its worst. And mankind is still at its worst for that matter. 
Mankind has no hope, no power, no means to, to, in which they can save themselves. So what happened instead is that Jesus Christ came and Jesus Christ died for mankind. So that's you, that's me, and that's God's love and that's God's grace. And verse 7 says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that's the love that we are to behold, that kind of love, that amazing love. That's the love that John, as we turn back now to 1 John chapter 3, this is the love that he is saying we are to perceive with our minds. We are to turn our attention to this love. We're to let it sink in deep into the very core of our being. We are to receive this love. We are to learn this love. And we are to live out this love. Through this love, we have been made right with the Father. Through this love, we have been reconciled. Through this love, we have come to know God. And this love should make us different people. People that are not of this world. People whom the world without this love does not really understand. And verse 1 here of 1 John chapter 3. I'm back in 1 John chapter 3 now. And verse 1 continues and says, Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. So again, we are strangers in this world if we live in accordance with God's love. But the world around us can come to know God if they too, by faith, will receive this love that God offered by His grace. This love is offered to all of mankind. God so loved what? The world, right? The whole world. And, and, when, and when and only when a person comes by faith and receives this love offered through Jesus Christ, at that point they become a child of God. And verse 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. So, we are living in the here and now, aren't we? We are walking today by faith and not by sight. We don't yet know what will be after this life, right? We get glimpses of it in the pages of Scripture, but it's not yet been revealed what we will be. John um, just indicates here that we will be like Him, right? We will be like Jesus, that is, right? We do have an idea of what Jesus was like, when he resurrected, we know through the resurrected body of Jesus Christ, we know through the word of God what Jesus was like. We know that he had a, a physical body that could be touched because the apostle Thomas touched him. 
He still had the wounds of the cross on that body, didn't he? But we also know that in that physical body of his, he instantly appeared from one place to another place, right? He appeared to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and then he disappeared. He appeared in a room where the disciples were gathered after death, after his death and burial. So he has a physical body of some sort, but it is also a glorified body of some sort. And we don't fully understand this yet, but we will be like Jesus someday. We will be like that. And since we know this, we have hope of our future. We know that this life is not all there is. And verse 3 here tells us, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So you see, there is a way we are to live. God's love that has been bestowed upon us, this is in us by the Holy Spirit. Right? We already we saw that in Romans chapter 5. Okay? In his love, God went to great lengths to redeem us. He gave his only begotten son. And Jesus went to the cross to make us righteous. And we come and we receive this righteousness by faith. Then we are to live in a different manner than what we used to live before we came to Christ. We are to do what? We are to purify ourselves. We are to turn away from the unrighteous manner of ungodly men around us. We are now children of God, no longer to live in the ways of the sinful world around us. We now have the hope of eternity, and this hope causes us to do something. It causes us to purify ourselves. Then verse 4 Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. So we're getting the point here, right? Jesus came to the earth. He was manifested to take away our sins, and there's no sin in him. And if we are to claim that we're in him, then we're not to willfully live in sin anymore. Verse 6, whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he, Jesus, right, is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So it's very clear here in these scriptures. These scriptures cannot be confused. There is no way to misinterpret these verses here. The person who abides in Jesus Christ does not continue to live a life in willful sin. They have been born again of the Spirit, and they now are to live a Spirit-led life. Now, does our flesh still exist? Well, of course it does. 
Can we make mistakes in this flesh that we carry around today? Of course we can. But if a person makes a habit out of sinning and, and they don't repent and they don't feel remorseful, right? Then this is a surefire way to know that that person is not abiding in Christ. They're not in Christ. And there's a, a teaching of grace that has gone around for years that has made it so that within the body of Christ, there are people that live in fornication. There are people that live with their boyfriends or with their girlfriends and they attend church and they think they're saved. And their parents think they're saved. But the scriptures are very clear here. This person is not in Christ. They're not born of the Spirit of God. And the Bible's telling us here, don't be deceived. Don't think that that's the case. That's not the case, right? Verse 7 says, He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he, capital H, Jesus, is righteous. So you see, if you claim that Jesus is in you, well, then Jesus is righteous, isn't he? So if Jesus is in you, then you are a person that practices or doeth, King James says, doeth righteousness, right? You do righteousness. You do righteously if Christ is in you. It really is that simple. And Jesus made it very simple too when he said, a tree is known by its fruit. Verse 9, whoever has been born of God does not sin for his Seed, capital H on his, right? For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Now, let's think this through a little more. Is there anyone among us here that can honestly say that they cannot sin? Right? I know that I can't say that. I know that I can sin. What John is stressing to us here is that there is a difference between the one that has been born again and the one that has not been born again. He's making this clear distinction. The one that has been born again, this is the person that is not focused on the world anymore. Right? Their perspective has changed. Right, They now focus on the things of God and they now focus on pleasing God, but yet we still walk through this world. And this world is full of stumbling blocks that we can trip over. It's full of dirt that we can get on us, right? But yet we don't willfully go out looking for the dirt. And we don't willfully go out looking for the stumbling blocks. Instead, what we willfully do is we make the effort now to purify ourselves. And, and no longer be part of the worldly system around us. And when we fix our eyes on Jesus and when we are completely abiding in him, at that time when your eyes are fixed on Jesus and you are completely abiding in him, at that time you will not sin. Why? Because your focus is on Jesus. And when you by faith, a person by faith, receives God's love that is offered by His grace, they have decided to repent. They have decided at that point that they're turning away from their habitual day after day practice of sin. And they turn instead 
to a life of righteousness. There will be mistakes, right? Because John already told us in chapter 2, verse 1, that if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. But he also said in chapter 2, verse 1, that he was writing this letter to us so that we may not sin. That was the purpose of this letter, he said. In chapter 2, verse 1, I'm writing this that you may not sin. So you and me are called by God in his word to not sin anymore. We are called to walk in righteousness just as Jesus is righteous. And again, I'll repeat this. If you are abiding in Jesus, then you will live in righteousness. We are children of God and we are to be known for practicing slash doing righteousness. So that's the clear distinction between the saved and the unsaved. Look at verse 10. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. In what? In everything he just talked about. In the way you live. That's how you know. The children of God are manifest in this and the children of the devil are manifest in this. Right? That's the distinguishing factor. Verse 10 continues. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. So again, just a very clear, unable to confuse statement here. A person that is willfully sinning for, you know, doing whatever kind of sin you can fill in the blanks. This person, the scripture says, is a child of the devil. Okay, A person that habitually and willfully goes out and has premarital sex, a person that habitually and willfully goes out and gets drunk, is this a child of God or a child of the devil? Is this a person that is practicing righteousness? Is this a person that is trying to purify themselves? No, this is a person that is willfully choosing to be a child of the devil. So a person who does not practice righteousness is not of God, as that verse says. And again, right back in verse 7, the person that is righteous before God is the one that practices righteousness. And we saw, we saw that back in verse 1 of chapter 3 here that John told us to behold the love of God. And now at the end of verse 10, he brings us back to love here. And he tells us that the one that doesn't love his brother is not born of God. So love is a characteristic of a child of God. And verse 11 says, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. So John's saying there's nothing new about this. This is, a, this is a basic message of Christianity. This was the core message of Jesus Christ, too. Let's mark this page and turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. The Gospel of John, chapter 15. So, the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
John chapter 15. And let's start reading in verse 9. Jesus says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. So Jesus wants us to abide in his love. Okay? He wants us to take up residence there. He wants us to remain there. Right? Don't go away from his love. Remain in his love. Behold his love. Stay focused on his love. Because that's the way we'll continue to purify ourselves. That's the way we'll continue to desire to do righteously. So one may ask this question though, how do I do that? And Jesus answers that question in verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So that's the key right there. That is what abiding in God's love looks like. You are a person that keeps or does the commandments of God. You are a doer of the Word of God. You are a person that practices righteousness in your life and you shun sin. You are a person that loves, right? You're a person that loves your brothers and sisters in Christ. Verse 11, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So, do you want to know how to have joy in your life? Keep the commandments. Be a doer of the word of God and live out love. Abide in the love of God. When you practice righteousness, you prove that you love God. You don't want to offend this great grace of God. This great love that has been stowed upon you. You don't want to offend that. So what you do is you focus on living in righteousness. Right? You focus on purifying yourselves. You make the choice on a daily basis to take up the cross, to die to yourselves, to die to the nature of your flesh. This is a child of God who does this. And Jesus says in verse 12, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. So Jesus showed the greatest love of all by laying down his life. And Jesus wants us to love as he has loved. So don't be selfish. Don't get all you can and then leave scraps for others. Be like Jesus and consider others as better than yourself. And this is how the world will know that you know Jesus. The love you live will impact the world around you, right? But on the contrary, if you live life like the rest of the world around you, then don't be deceived into thinking that you're practicing righteousness and that you're living out the love of God. But you see, love is the key ingredient. Love is what shows that we are abiding in Christ. 
And as we flip back now to 1 John chapter 3, John will give us a, a good example of a bad example in verse 12. He says, Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. So look, yes, right? We need to, to live God's love out, right? And we will have the, a positive impact on the world around us when we do. But Jesus came to the earth and he was the greatest man of love that has ever lived or will ever live. And what did the world do with him? The world crucified him. So we need to stay close to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Right. The love that we have for for one another that John is speaking of here, he says it's a love for the brethren. In other words, a love for the people of the body of Christ. We can't hate each other. We can't bite and devour each other. Now, there are those, of course, that claim to be in the body of Christ, but their deeds proclaim something else. These people we are to note and to avoid. But in the body of Christ, amongst those who practice righteousness, we are to love one another. And verse 15 says, Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So hate is equated with murder here in the Bible. And remember, Jesus told us that the greatest kind of love was that one would lay his life down for someone else. And John echoes that same thing here in verse 16. He says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And as we go along, you're going to see that he's not talking about taking a bullet for someone else. Okay? He's not talking about that kind of love. That is the kind of love that Jesus showed. But when he's talking about laying down your life for the brethren, he's talking about us taking care of one another. And we'll see here as we go on, right? We are to consider others before ourselves. And verse 17 is going to give a very practical example of what John is talking about here in the Word of God. Verse 17 says, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? So, what is it talking about here? It says, whoever has this world's goods. So it's talking about Material things. If you have all you need when it comes to material things and you have the ability to help a, a brother in the Lord and you don't do it, then a question remains. And that question is, how does the love of God abide in you? 
Right? We, we remember the example of Jesus saying, if you have two coats, give one away. Right? So we are to take from our goods of this world and help those in the body of Christ that have need. That's laying down our lives for the brethren. That's saying, hey, I've got this. I've got all I need. I, I, I need to help another brother or sister in the Lord. Verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So he follows that right up on the heels of what he just said. That if you love then, then, and you have things and you can help people, then you do it, right? And he says, don't just talk a big talk. Actually live it out. And a lot of Christians today talk a big talk. But the Bible tells us to put up or shut up. Right? Let love be seen not by the things that you say, but by the things that you do. That's what God's love is all about. God so loved the world that He did something. He gave His only begotten Son. So God the Father loved, and God the Father gave His Son. God the Son loved, and God the Son gave His life. And we are now to be imitators of Jesus Christ and love one another in the body of Christ. And verse 19 says, And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. So by what? What do we know? How do we know we're of the truth? Because we love the brethren. We take care of each other. Alright? So love for the body of Christ is one way that we know we are of the truth. And we've also seen this morning that another way that we know we are in Christ is that we practice righteousness. You see, love comes from the heart, doesn't it? It is seen in our actions, but it stems from our hearts. And verse 20 tells us, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. You see, these truths we are talking about this morning, we all know them. And if we didn't know them before this morning, we know them now because we see them here in God's Word. And we are to live in accordance with what God has put in our hearts. Now, I won't have you turn there, but I'll quote again from Romans chapter 5, right? That says that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So if we don't live out God's love, if we don't keep His commandments, then what happens is our hearts condemn us. Our hearts say, hey, something's missing here. Because the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit's in us, He pours out God's love in our hearts. He sheds it abroad in our hearts. And He says, there it is, right? There's God's love. And if we don't actually keep the Word of God, and if we don't actually live it, then our hearts are condemning us, 
that something's missing. But if we do live out love and if we do keep his commandments, then we are living in his will and he will grant to us what we ask of him because we are living a life that is pleasing in his sight. Faith without works is dead. We must live in the way that God commands us. We must do the works that he has called us to do as his children. God's grace has been extended to us, but faith is how we receive salvation. And faith requires works. Faith without works is dead. Do not be deceived. Faith is what pleases God. Actually living the life. You have to live the life of what the Bible says. And again, when we live in his will and in accordance with his word, we will have the things that we ask of him. Why? Because we won't be praying amiss, as the Apostle James said, right? In our prayers, we won't be self-seeking. It won't be all about us and what we need and what we want. Instead, we will be focused on others and loving others like the Father and like Jesus did. And we will consider the brethren above ourselves. And John's going to sum things up here in verse 23. And this is his commandment. That we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ. And love one another as he gave us commandment. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. So you see how it's all tied together? The Spirit, we saw in Romans chapter 5, sheds the love of God in our hearts. Okay? And then that love is what assures us and we know that we are living in God, living in Christ, because we love him. And we want to live a life that pleases him. And when we want to live a life that pleases Him, we practice righteousness. We purify ourselves. We don't choose to live in the way of the world. And when we want to live a life that pleases Him, we consider others as better than ourselves. And we become a person that is like God, a giver. Like Jesus Christ, a giver. Like the Holy Spirit who gave us the love of God and sheds it in our hearts, a giver. This is what God wants us to be, and this is God, this is how God wants us to live, right? So if I were to study or sum up this study this morning, it would be as simple as this, right? Flee from sin and live out love. Flee from sin and live out love. It's that simple. And God's word is that plain and simple to us on how he wants us to live this life. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, again, we thank you for your word this morning, your living and active word, Lord. Lord, convict us in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, in the areas of our lives where we are not living pleasing in your sight, in accordance with your word, where we are not living by faith. It's so easy to get entangled and, and caught up in 
walking by sight. But you cause us to walk, you call us to walk by faith and to travel lightly through this world as if we're just passing through. And it's not about this life. It's all about where we're going, Lord, that place where you have gone before us and prepared a place for us. So pour out your spirit of wisdom upon us, Lord, that we might know your word, that we might walk in the truth of it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.